Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for this brand new month. Thank you for this month you've blessed us with. The month of growth and expansion. We declare and declare that the word of God will come with power, will come with information, revelation, and so much grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody shout amen. amen. Can you turn, look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, spiritual warfare. Tell your, neighbor, tell your neighbor spiritual warfare. Ask them which one is your warfare. Is it physical or spiritual? <laughs> Some of you, you are, you are mighty fighters. Say, are you trying me? It's not because I'm born again. I will show, if I change it for you now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. Today, um, the title of my message is Mind Games. Mind Games. Basically, this series is only talking about spiritual warfare, and then um, we're going to see some very interesting things that God wants us to know. Second Timothy chapter one, 2 Timothy chapter one, verse seven. Can we all read together in unison? One to go read. All those of you at the back, can you join us to read again? One to go. The spirit of fear and of a sound mind. You see, in these last days that we are in, we are in the last days of the last days. The Bible tells us very carefully. Jesus is calling us out of this world. And the battle of the heavenly is growing day by day. There are people fighting battles in their families, fighting battles in their office, in their homes, in their schools, Right? And the battles keep growing and growing more intensively. Let me tell you something. The devil gets wicked, more wicked and more wicked by the day. And the Bible says where sin abounds, it says grace did much more abound. That means the grace of God is even getting greater and greater by the day. Because no matter how wicked Satan is, he will never outpower the grace of God. Shout amen somebody. So you and I, we need to be fully equipped. We need to be equipped so that we will not be fearful in this world. We will not be overwhelmed by the evil doings of Satan. The Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's the reason why it is important that the Bible says, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is the reason why we need to have the right mind so that we lean on God's word, we live God's way of life, and then we take comfort in the promises and in his word he has given to us in Christ, and we keep our eyes on the work of Jesus and his finished work. Shout amen, somebody. How many of you know this scripture by heart? How many of you know it by heart? You can say it by heart without looking at the verse. Wave your hand, let me see. Any other person? You should, you should, you should pick this as, a, as, a, as an assignment for to today, this week. Add this, add this scripture into your mind. Can we say it again? Say, 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 close your eyes, everybody. Say, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say it again. Say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of sound mind. In, if you notice, sometimes those of you that recite this scripture, Sometimes you may bring love first. You say, like now, you know this, I, I said love first before power. But the scripture says power, love, and sound mind. Now, let me, let me show you a trick on how to memorize this scripture the way it is exactly. This scripture has something very powerful. What is fear? What is fear? Fear in the Greek word here is the word um, delias. Delias means timidity. It means cowardice, timidity, cowardice. That's where Satan wants to keep us in our lives, you see? But those things are not our heritage. Glory to God. For the child of God, God has given you what is called shalom peace. Everybody say shalom peace. You know, the Bible calls it peace, peace. In fact, what about the about peace? Peace is in plural. And the word peace there means peace in your body, peace in your soul, peace in your well-being. Peace in your health, and it's also the word peace of prosperity. That means when, when, when a man experiences shalom peace, it doesn't just mean you have a calm mind. No, no, no. It's more than that. 
God's shalom peace is, you know, Jesus said, my peace I bequeath to you. Like, like somebody is giving you money. He said, I, said, I give you my inheritance. Jesus called peace inheritance. Why? Because peace is about your spirit, soul, and body. When a man is in God's shalom peace, he is not afraid of Satan. He is not afraid of wickedness. When a man is in shalom peace, he is prospering in his life. And prosperity is more than money. So anytime you hear about prosperity, you think it's more. No. Prosperity is more than money. Have you seen that? The Bible talked about Joseph, that he was a prosperous man. He didn't have money. The Bible said that for, for God was with him. So prosperity is, is an ability of the spirit. Where you have the ability to make anything happen by the grace of God. That means a man from zero can become a, a hero. From a zero can turn to a hundred. It's called shalom peace. Shout amen somebody. And you see, peace keeps what grace gives. If, if grace brings something to your life and you don't remain in peace, you may lose that thing. But if you remain in peace, Satan cannot steal anything from you. Glory to God. Hallelujah, somebody. So now, let's see the real power behind this scripture. Now, the word for power in the Greek is the word dynamos. Dynamos is where we get um, the English word um, duna, um, dynamite. How many of you know TNT? TNT, right? Dynamite, bombs. You, do you know how... You, you can see a tiny device. It may just be as big as this, right? Maybe a little longer. Something small like this. But then when it hits the timer, what happens? The whole place explodes. Why? There's a vibration that happens. It's called dynamite. Bible says, for God, it says, but of power. Everybody say power. When I talk about power, it's talking about dunamis. Dunamis, dynamite. It's a is a is 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 power that causes changes. Shout amen, somebody. The the Bible tells us something very is so the word dynamis means miraculous power, it means might, it means strength. It's the same word that was used to describe Jesus in the end of the gospel of, of Matthew's gospel, where he said that Jesus is the right hand of power. He says, Jesus is the right hand of power. Now, if Jesus is God's right hand of power. If I'm on somebody's right hand, who is on the left hand of Jesus? The Father. Are you following very carefully? So the Father, so dunam, dunamos is the Father. Are you seeing that? So I'm showing you the, the Trinity here in this scripture. Dunamos is the Father. Every time you think of power, that's the work of the Father. Shout amen, somebody. But so that Jesus Christ is the right hand of power. Is the right hand of God. Is the right hand of God. Are you seeing that? Is the right hand of power. That means God is actually the one that is dunamis. Hallelujah. Now let's go to the next verse. He says, sorry, the, the same verse, the, the next word. He says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Of power. The word power there represents the Father. He says, and of love. Who does love represent? Jesus. We know love represents Jesus. And the Greek word for, for love here is the word. Agapio, agapio, agapio means um, benevolence, it means goodwill, it means esteem. So this word um, agapio is, where we, is derived from the word agape. We all know what agape means. Agape means sacrificial love. Hallelujah. So Jesus gave his life for us. You know, in the book of John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said that greater love hath no man than this that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Hallelujah. Then now let's look at the next one. It says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Of power. Power of the Father. Of love, right? The Son. It says, and of what? A sound mind. Now, in the Greek word, the, the word sound mind means, um, put it on the screen, sophronisomos, very long word. It means sound mind. Now, what's the, mean, what's the mean of this word in the Greek? It means, literally speaking, the word sound mind means self-control. It means self-discipline. It means prudence. I'll say it again. Self-control, self-discipline, prudence. Now, recognize these qualities. Who gives these qualities? These are the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is called self-control. Hallelujah, somebody. So what is telling us? So the word is describing the inner teacher, who is the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, and is the master storyteller of this amazing book. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the author of the entire scripture. Are you hearing carefully? The other guys that wrote it are not the authors. 
They are they were inspired by the Spirit, the Bible says. They are only the writers, but they are not the author. The author of the entire scripture is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that all scripture are God breathed. And they are for inspiration, for correction, for doctrine, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That a man of God may become a perfect man, fully molded for good works. Hallelujah. Now let's turn to 2 Corinthians. I, I, I hope you got it now. So every time you read scripture, see, but God not giving you the spirit of fear, but of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So Father means represents power. Son represents love. The Holy Ghost represents a sound mind. Isn't that wonderful? That God gave us the Trinity in that one verse. So, so when we say God has not given us the spirit of fear, though the Lord, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are with you to ensure that you win the battles of life. Shout amen, somebody. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So it's chapter 10 from verse 4. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, he says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to, be, to, to punish all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, we've had this idea for a long time. Go back to verse 4. And when the Bible talks about stronghold, you know, I will say, someone say that I have a stronghold in my family. I have a stronghold. So they are thinking that when the Bible talks about stronghold, they are thinking it's talking about a demonic spirit. They are thinking it's talking about Satan or the devil. So it's the strong man, the stronghold. But because the Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not bazooka. They are not AK-47. They are not MI-6, you know? You know, all of, all of you guys that watch all these, my, my wife calls it bloodshed movies. That's what she calls it. <laughs> They're shooting gun. You know what I'm talking about? Uh -huh. it's, not, it's not those weapons. It says, for they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you from the Amplified version. Give me Amplified. AMP. Okay, it says, listen, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical. That means weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destructions of what? Strongholds. Do you notice he put a comma there? What does that tell you? He's not done. Now he wants to explain what are these strongholds. Verse 5. In as much as we, ref as we refute argument and theories. Everybody say theories. These are the strongholds. And what? Reasonings. Everybody say reasonings. Reasonings. Where does this thing happen? In the mind. He says, and every proud and lofty thing that set itself against the true knowledge of God and will lead every thought. Everybody say thought. Where does thought exist? In your mind. He says, and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Verse 6, it says, Being in readiness to punish every insubordinate of his disobedience, when you are submission and obedience as a church, we're wrongly translated. Now give me a um, message Bible. Look at this one now. The world is unprincipled. It's dog eats dog out there. The world doesn't fear, sorry, the world doesn't fight fear and um, fight fear. He said, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trades are not marketing or manipulation. Hallelujah. But they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. Notice that he calls it corrupt culture. Everybody say corrupt culture. Some of you, the stronghold that is holding your life is corrupt culture. Corrupt culture. Where I come from. This is how we do it, where I come from. And it's against the word of God. A corrupt culture is a stronghold. And Satan takes, takes prey in those things. Look at verse 5. He says, we use our powerful God's tools for smashing world philosophies. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstacle and building lives of obedience into maturity. Somebody shout amen. amen. So you see, the battlefield is in your mind. Say the battlefield, the 
is in my mind. Say it again. Say the battlefield is in my mind. So if you are going to win spiritual battles, if you are going to win battles that are unseen, spiritual battles, they happen all in your mind. They happen all in your mind. Because let me tell you something. When we are fighting, we are not fighting with the devil. That's not the fight we are called to fight. Jesus has already fought the, the devil and he has defeated the devil. There's no other fight that you have got to fight. The Bible calls it, Paul says, I fought the good fight. And he called it the fight of faith, not the fight against the devil. I you listening very carefully? When it comes to the devil, all that God tells you is resist the devil. And he will run in terror from you. He will flee from you. That's all. Your job is to resist. Submit to God. Resist the devil. But not fight him. So what is the fight we are fighting? We are fighting to remain standing. We are fighting on God's word. Because Jesus has already won the battle. And we know that he's the one in charge. And our job is to fight that we remain in peace. It's to fight that we sit and rest in what Christ has done. That is the fight of faith. Hallelujah. That is the fight of faith. The fight is casting down imaginations. Have you ever seen somebody who just sits down in his house and all that's going through his mind is evil thought about somebody? You are thinking, hey, hope this person will not die. Hey, this person is traveling. I hope, you know, you are thinking all kinds of negative thoughts, evil thoughts, and you are wondering, why are you thinking like this? Some people are sitting down in their chair and they are thinking of, let me just end my life and die. I can't continue kind of life anymore. Some are depressed in your mind, worried, confused in your mind. It's a battlefield. That is the spiritual battle you're fighting. And listen, you cannot fight these battles with weapons. You can't fight these battles with knife. You can't fight it with the weapons of man, with carnal weapons. They are spiritual weapons. And you've got to use spiritual weapons to fight spiritual battles. If you're going to fight physical battles, you use physical weapons to fight physical battles. Remember, the thing that goes on in your mind is not physical. You can't touch worry. You can't touch confusion. You can't even see it. You can't even smell it. But it's at work in a human body. It's at work in a person's mind. And it's destroying the person day by day that a person moves from depression. From a depression, he moves to oppression. From oppression, then he moves to let me just kill myself and end my life. That's how Satan walks in his life. He oppresses them, depresses them, obsesses them, and kills them. That's how that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Hallelujah. So the weapon is in our mind. So what are these strongholds? What are strongholds? Strongholds, they are in your mind. These are arguments. Sometimes they, they, are, they, are, they come in form of doubts and fears that come into your mind. Some, for instance, some people, they are afraid of the, of the unknown. They are afraid of the future. They are afraid, when I get to 50, how will I be like? When I get to 70, will I still be alive? They are worried. They are, fear, they are fearful about their life. They are, they, are, they are afraid. At the morning, their account will get finished. How will they continue their life? How will they live their life? It's, it's, it comes in doubt. It comes in fears. And these are the things that are, go on in your mind. They go on in your mind. And if you give them a few days, he will play football in your mind. He will, I mean, he will, he will so attack you, so malign you, reduce you to nothing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes. Bible says, and bringing into captivity every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. These are human philosophy, human culture, human reasoning. You know, um, they, these are so-called teachings that masquerade as the truth. And they come into your mind. For instance, some of us, the way we were raised, we were raised with the mindset of poverty. We were raised with the mindset of shortage. We were raised with the mindset that we will never have all we want. But, but what the Bible says, how do you counter this battlefield? The Bible says in Psalm 23 verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's how to do that. I'm showing you how to fight spiritual battles. You fight them with words. You fight them with words. When Satan tells you, I'm going to kill you. You have a thought. You have seen yourself dying. Maybe you saw yourself in the coffin. Are you, are you hearing me? You saw yourself in the coffin. They put you inside the ground and they covered you seven, seven feet in the ground. You wake up from that dream. Two things. Hey, mommy, I will soon die. Satan wants to kill me. And you know something? Can I surprise you? Satan cannot read your mind. And, that, and what does that mean? It means that also angels cannot also read your mind. 
The only person who can read your mind is God Almighty. I am telling you. That's why I wonder why women expect men to read their mind. Anyway, <laughs> let me just leave that part. So, he <laughs> said, that's right, that's right. That's right, that's right. All the men are saying that's right. Say, yeah, what's new? What's new? I wonder. Only God can read your mind. We can't read your mind. Hallelujah. Yes, even angels can't read them, can't read my mind, can't read your mind. How do you not expect us? Says, well, you have the Holy Ghost in you, eh? except God shows me. It's not everything that God will tell you. Are you following? So now, yes, <laughs> yes, the game. Now, Satan comes, he puts thoughts in your mind. Because he can remember, you cannot stop a bird. For flying over your fence. Are you sure about that? But it can stop a bed from leaving your house. In the same way, you cannot stop thoughts from coming to your mind. If you like to try to stop it, it will come. It can come through your phone. It can come through a picture you saw online. It can come, come through a comment. I've just seen people that kill themselves because of Instagram. Have you heard a story before? Instagram, they committed suicide. Why? Because of the nasty things people said about them. They got depressed and killed themselves. So Satan can come against you through your friend, through your neighbor, through your environment, through the news, through any means. He can plant thoughts in your mind. Then this, look at Satan's trick. He will now trick you to feel like as though you are the one that generated the thoughts. So I'm showing you something here now. Every evil thought that comes into your mind is not from you. I am telling you. As long as you are with the Lord, as, you, as long as you are walking in the light of God's word, if you find yourself taking an evil thought, first know that this thought is not from me. It's from the devil. What I'm going to do next, don't accept that thought. Don't cling that thought to yourself. The way to, 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 to destroy that thought, the way to paralyze that thought, the way to pull down the stronghold is not to say, I will stop thinking about it. I will stop thinking about it. The more you try to stop thinking about it, the more you think about it. For instance, can we do a practice now? Everybody close your eyes. Think about a pink elephant. How many of you can see it now? Just wave your hand if you can see it. If you can see the pink elephant in your mind. Can you see it? Wave your hand if you can see it. I want to be sure some of you can see it. You can see it now? Oh yeah. Now stop thinking about a pink elephant. Stop thinking about a pink elephant. How many of you are still seeing the pink elephant? It's still there. So the more you try to stop thinking think about it, the more you think about it. So that's that trick. So you're saying, well, I, I will stop it. I will stop it. I will stop it. This is the reason why people are addicted to things and they're wondering why they can't stop. The more you try to stop, the more you continue in that mess. The more those thoughts expand and grow and even put bed and pillow and bed sheet and sleep in your, in your mind. You know, your mind is very big. It can accommodate a whole um, 50-story building inside your mind will stay there. And there's still enough land for much more buildings. That's how big your mind is. Your mind is bigger than this whole, the entire state put together. The entire country put together. That's how big your mind is. That's the enough space that you can give to evil thoughts. So now, if you are going to counter thoughts, evil thoughts, you have to replace thoughts with thoughts. And the fastest way to counter thoughts is through words. So... If I'm thinking about a pink elephant, I, I can say now, I want to see a pink apple. The moment I say it, my mind adjusts to pink apple. Automatically, I stop seeing the elephant. I start seeing the apple. I, I, I can see the trick here now. So what is the trick? The trick, um, see, when, when a man wants to fight battles in the military, there's what is called strategic meetings. They strategize. How do they win this battle? How do they go again? Because not by just carrying guns. If I carry gun, I can carry gun. People who carry gun, they still lose the battle. So they want to strategize. How can they counter the enemy? I'm showing you how to win spiritual battles. So this is how it comes. Satan comes to you and say, you're soon going to lack. You're soon going to penal. You're soon going to disadvantage. You say, according to the scriptures in Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Satan tells you, oh, they'll soon kill you. They'll soon come and kidnap you. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my light, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So when my enemies and my foes came up against me to eat up of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Are you seeing that? The Bible says, with my eyes, will I only see the evil, the reward of the wicked. A thousand may fall at my hand. Ten thousand at my right hand. But no evil shall come near me. I'm delivered from wicked and unreasonable men and women. See, this is how to deal with spiritual battles. And this is the reason why you have to know the scriptures. 
You have to know the scriptures. If it means memorizing it, memorize it. And the time of need, the Holy Spirit will bring it out of you. But if you don't know the scriptures, how are you going to handle situations when they come against you? Now is the time to learn the scriptures. Now is the time to put it into you. Because the day of challenges will come. Bible says that there's an evil day. I'll talk about it. An evil day will come in your life. <laughs> when that evil day comes, how are you prepared for the battle? Because every one of us, as long as you are God's child, you are going to have a battlefield. And Satan is going to come with battles against your life, whether your finances or your family, your health, whatever. Maybe your children, whatever it is, you'll come with battles in your life. How will you be ready for those battles? If you have not trained for war, if you are not ready for war, you think it's all about coming to church and say, Father, bless us. No, no, no. This is, listen, but sometimes you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, when you are saying, Father, intervene, undertake, when you are a baby, God will answer those prayers. But when you grow up, God expects that you should grow and stop praying kind of prayers. No, you, you, <coughs> sometimes you wake up from your house when Satan has troubled you for too long and you are tired of being where you are. There are certain things you do, and you don't care. So you know, some people want to pray. They are looking for leather or handkerchief to cover the hair. Satan is not afraid of your handkerchief for April. He's not afraid. He's afraid of the words that come out of your mouth. Shout amen, somebody. Whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, doesn't matter to, to God. As long as you speak words out of your mouth, you control the spirit realm. And listen, Satan only knows what you speak out of your mouth. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Like I told you, you saw yourself in the coffin. You wake up and say, they will soon kill you. I say, hey, they will soon kill you. Now, agents, let's go into action. Because you have already told Satan, they will soon kill me. So Satan, listen to what you're saying. Are you hearing me? In the same way, angels also hear what you say. So when you say, in the name of Jesus, I cause my money to come to me from the north, south, east, and west. Anyone that is holding me, owing me, release my money now. You know what happens? When you say that, the angels of God go into action and they cost the money, those that own you, to pay you. They, they are compelled to pay you. They will sleep in the night and dream about you. Wake up in the morning, dream about you. See, they pay. You say, angels, I send you because angels are your servants. I am telling you, angel, but angels will only obey to God's word. You can't say, angel, go and kill that person. The angel will not answer you. They won't. You can only do that with a demonic spirit. Not an angel of God. Because an angel only listens to God's voice. So when you speak God's word, the angel will say, yes, sir. And go into action and cause it to come to you. This, this, this is what is called the angelic ministry of the, of the life of the Christian. And it's important that you learn to activate this ministry in your life. Because the angels are there. Some of you have angels in your life. They are doing nothing. They are just drinking juice and sleeping. You, just imagine you have a, a servant in your house who does nothing in the house. Before you know, it starts growing fat. Hello? So you're going to learn to put your angels in action in your life. Stop, stop, stop this prayer of God give me money. Stop it. God give you, give you money from where? The money you require is in the earth. The angels are here with you. Send them on errand. You know, Kenneth Hagin said something very powerful. He said that he has never prayed to God about money. <laughs> I thought, how could somebody say that kind of thing? He said, I've never in my life prayed to God about money. He said, all I do is to command my angels to go bring it for me. I said, how does he do it? He said it. He said, all I say is, Father, in the, no, all he says is in the name of Jesus, he says, I cause my money to come to me now. He said, ministering spirit of God, go into action and cause the money to come to me. That's all he says. And before you know it, they, you see, the money starts coming. That's how you sell your market. You say, you enter, you say in the name of, I call the customers from left, right, center. Come to this place and come and buy. And you'll start coming. I'm telling you what I know. They will start coming. But you just come, they say, no business. God, what's happening here? Then I say, there's no business. We ensure that we block. We block. Have you not seen people who are doing business? They do, you, you think they are joking? Some of them will go and do spiritual things just so they can have customers. You wonder how somebody's food is so bad. And people are still coming to eat the food. And you are wondering, what's making these people go to that place? You think it's normal. So if, if Satan can do that, you think God can do that? You think God can do that? <laughs> Learn to use the power you have. God said, God has given you power. See, I have power. So you've got to use the power you've got in your life. Don't just sit down there weak, callous, tired. No, you've got to stand up and speak words into your life. Speak words into the, the things that are in your hands. You say, nothing in my hands die. 
nothing. Everything that God has given to me must multiply and grow. That's how to talk. Shout amen, somebody. So it's a battle of mind. It's a mind battle. Now, I, I told you, so when you see yourself now, you know, I, I learned something years ago. It's called cream your dream. Everybody say cream your dream. Say it again. Say cream your dream. Have you ever eaten a bad cake before? I remember eating a cake that was not sweet. Do you notice that they iced the cake? Maybe the icing was so sweet. The icing looked so nice. Then by the time they cut it for you and you taste it, they say, what a bad cake. Learn to cream your dreams. So for instance, you dreamt, I said it before, you dreamt that they put you in a coffin. And then they say they put you in the ground seven times, seven feet in the ground. When you wake up from that dream, what are you going to say? You say the old man is dead. The new man has come alive. I'm showing you how to cream your dream. You entered in your dream. You saw yourself. They served you juice and biscuits with rice and fish and then enough food everywhere. And then you ate the food, ate the food and drank everything. Then they taught you that Satan has fed you in the dream. That's a stronghold. Everybody say stronghold. They come through culture. And the people who interpret and tell you Satan has come into your house. They say, hey, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. We need to do seven days fasting and prayer now. Even, even if I were your roommate, or if I was in that dream together with you, I will ensure I clear the whole table, drink everything. Then when I wake up, I say the Lord has prepared the table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, there is no verse in scripture where the devil ever gave anybody food in the dream. Satan is not that nice. He's not that nice. It's only God we see. God gave Peter food in the dream. Isaiah the prophet dreamt also. An angel gave him food in the dream. Those are the only two we see in scripture, both New and Old Testament. I've never seen in the Bible where Satan. Satan is not that generous. He's not that nice. He, even sweet man, he didn't give anybody sweet in the dream. Talkers of, talkers of now. <laughs> when Jesus has messed him up. You feel, I'm sure, so when you wake up and say, hey, Satan wants to take my money, that's when Satan comes into your life. That's when it comes because you have said out your mouth. So learn to cream your dream. You saw yourself driving bicycles. <laughs> you saw yourself driving bicycle. <laughs> bicycle. And then from there, you now found out that <laughs> you now enter car. From car, you now see yourself in aeroplane. Then from there, you now enter bicycle. You now say, hey, people want to finish my life. They are after me. This is my village people. The Lord let me rise in this life. They want me to go up and go down. Satan says, yes, sir. Let's go into action. That's what people are doing. Like, okay. Because Chris, see, listen. Remember, Adam gave Satan authority. Right? So what does that tell you? Every authority that Satan is exhibiting in anyone's life, is the, the human beings that gave him authority. How do you give Satan authority? Through gossiping. I'm telling you, sure. Through bitterness, unforgiveness, through lust. Have you seen that? All these evil things. That's how Satan enters into people's life. The Bible says something very say that when, when, when a devil is cast out on someone, what does Satan do? Satan comes back because you cast out a strong man. He realizes he's not strong enough. When he comes back, he will not come back alone. He will come back with seven more powerful than him. Now look at what happens next. When they come back to, to that person's life, if they find any loophole, they will enter and havoc the person much more. The person will be in a worse state than he was before. That's why you see somebody who was delivered and months after, you are wondering, they are even worse than before. Why? Because they allowed Satan to enter into their life. That's why when you are delivered from the evil darkness, when you are delivered from darkness, you have to stay with God's word. Because that's the only guarantee that you can ensure that when Satan comes back, you say, ah, no way. It goes back. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Satan, Jesus said that Satan came against me and he found nothing. He didn't find bitterness. He didn't find envy. He didn't find gossiping. He didn't find lust. He found nothing in Jesus. And that's why he couldn't attack Jesus. All he could do was to tempt him. And Jesus still, how did Jesus win the, 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 the battle with Satan? Words. Satan said, turn this stone to bread. He said, I think you are God. Turn this stone to bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was quoting the book of Deuteronomy. He quoted scripture. 
If Jesus quoted scripture, who are you not to quote scripture? Notice, when Satan came to, to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, where's my Bible? Um, let me search for this thing Satan is saying now. No, no, no. It was already inside him. So when the battle came against him, the Holy Ghost picked the ones he needs at that time to release back with fire. Hallelujah. That's why I say you've got to know the scriptures. Because that's the only guarantee that you, you're sure that you will win the battles of life. Now, here's the deal. As soon as you think you, 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 the you thought of whatever it, write it down, you and it. When you start thinking the you thought of whatever it and confess that thing or that situation with your mouth, as it exists, then Satan has got you in your life. So do yourself a favor. When evil thoughts come into your mind, don't own the evil thought. Don't accept the evil thoughts. In other words, don't speak them out of your mouth. Because the devil can only get to you what, with what comes out of your mouth. Likewise, the angels of God only respond to the words that come out of your mouth. Hallelujah. So that's the secret I'm trying to show you. That's how to win spiritual battles. That's how to fight depression. That's how to fight anxiety. That's how to fight worry. You see that, for instance, you catch yourself anxious about something. You say, guy, I want to stop being anxious. The more you try it, the more you get anxious. How do you do it? You've got to say God's word. Bible says, thou shalt keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. My mind receives shalom peace now. I see what I'm showing you. You say, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, it says, let your request be nothing. So that, now it has shown you, if I'm worried, I should go and pray. Are you seeing that? So I go into prayer. That matter that is bothering me, I carry that care into prayer. I pray about it. I pray about it until the worry leaves, it, leaves my mind, until the anxiety gets out of my mind. Bible says that when that happens, it says the peace of God will garrison, will hold your heart and mind together. Hallelujah. Bible says be anxious for nothing. Say I refuse to be anxious about anything. Say it again. Say I refuse to be anxious about anything. Because, listen, somebody say, so is it possible for somebody in this life not to be anxious? Yes, it's possible. When you catch yourself worrying, you say, I refuse to be anxious about anything. I refuse it. This is not me. I'm the man who does not worry, who has no cares. The Bible says, casting all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. What does that mean? You take the load and you throw it to Jesus. He will catch you. Jesus says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. So why are you carrying it? Let him carry the yoke. Let him carry the body. Have you ever seen a child worrying before? Have you ever seen a child worrying? He's worrying about what he's going to eat, what he's going to drink, what he's going to wear. Never! All they know is, I'm hungry, I want food. <laughs> That's all they know. So God wants us to have this childlike attitude. Don't be worried. Paul said, if your father cares about the birds of the air, you think food is God's plan to give you? Why are you worried about what? Do you say that how many people with worry have increased their height? You say, I'm too short to, hey, I need to grow taller. You worry, 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 and then you just find out that after you're worried, one inch, then you worry more, two inch. Has it happened before? No. Worry will, in fact, worry will kill you. Worry is more dangerous than drugs, if you don't know. Most of the sickness that comes to people's life, sometimes cancer, most of the cases of cancer, I'm telling you the truth, these are said that give Bring this into people's life. It's through anxiety and worry. Depression. You check, you investigate, probably you find these things in there. You better what Satan does. When you open the door with these evil things, it enters into your life. Condemnation. You, are, you, you condemn yourself all the time. You're always feeling guilty about something you've done. When Christ has forgiven you all your sins, you are still holding on to guilt to yourself. Listen, if God has forgiven you, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Let it go. Because if you don't let it go, Satan has had a few days in your life. He has found a door to enter into your life, to malign you, to destroy you, and bring you down. So he said, I refuse these things in my life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Now let's go back to that scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. I want to show you something else again there. He says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, this scripture is wrongly translated because 
That's not what he's talking about. So give me King James, KJV, of this verse. Because trying to tell us that until our obedience is done, before this will happen. That's not what he's talking about. Give me King James of the same verse, quickly. KJV. Huh. This one still says the same thing. Okay. Um, give me verse 5, actually. Give me verse 5 of the same verse. All right. Can we together, everybody, want to go? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Every thought to what? Notice he says bringing every thought to what? To the obedience of who? Of Christ. Notice he didn't say bringing every thought to the obedience like Christ. Two different thoughts. Listen very carefully. He's not trying to tell us that we need to obey the way Christ obeyed. If you are, <laughs> if you are trying to obey God the way Christ obeyed God, you will fail. You will fail big time. And you always get into depression because you will never be able to get there. There was no man who was as perfect in obedience as Jesus. But so that Jesus was, he obeyed God to the cross. His obedience was so perfect. So what is that telling you? Listen, I'm showing you something here now. Remember, the Old Testament tells us that as the high priest is, so are the people. If God judges the high priest holy, so are the people holy. If God says the high priest is a sinner, the entire congregation are sinners. doesn't matter how good you are. Because your high priest is your representative before God. I am telling you, so Jesus is also our high priest before God. And he has obeyed God perfectly. His obedience is so perfect that no other person in this life has ever obeyed God the way he obeyed God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? There was, listen, listen, of all the Old Testament men and women, all of them failed. All of them. Is he Elijah? Fear got into his heart. Is he Elisha? Is it um, David? Is it Moses? All of them sinned in some way or the other. But this man had no iota of sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. He had no sin. That's how perfect it was before God. Now, when thoughts, when negative thoughts enter into your mind, what do you do? You say, Father, thank you because Jesus is my high priest. And thank you because you are judging me based on the thoughts of my high priest, who is Jesus. I hear what I'm telling you? Because sometimes when Satan brings thoughts into your mind, you think that, hey, God is going to destroy you now. God is going to attack you for thinking evil things. No, don't accept. I said, don't accept evil thoughts. Don't accept it. Judge it correctly. How do you bring your obedience to Christ? You bring your obedience by coming into the obedience of Christ. As Christ is, so am I. In the name of Jesus. If Christ will not think evil thoughts, evil thoughts cannot stay in my mind. See that? This devilish thought can't stay in my mind. This, is, this, this, this satanic thought can't stay in my mind because my high priest doesn't have this in his mind. Did Jesus ever worry? No. How do you know? The Bible tells us one time he was in the boat sleeping and the people were saying, hey, master, don't you care we die? What did Jesus do when he woke up? He didn't say, hey, God, oh, we will soon die too. <laughs> no. The Bible says, he said, peace. And then he talked to the disciples and said, be still. Stop worrying. Be calm. Hallelujah. Every time people come to Jesus, say, calm down. You know, Jesus is never in a hurry. He's cool, calm, and collected. When they call him, the general say, my daughter is sick, oh, she will soon die. She will soon die. Come, come fast, fast, and come and heal my child. You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, let's run now, let's run now. No, 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 he didn't run. He was walking. And guess what? While he was walking, somebody touched him. And then he stopped. Notice, somebody is going to somebody's house. He stopped, and he said, who touched me? Ha -ha. Peter said, Master, what type of question is this? One? Can you see crowd everywhere? People are touching everywhere. He said, no, 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 no. He says, I felt virtue come out of me. He said, who touched me? He stopped. And I'm sure Jared was thinking, what's wrong with this man now? We have emergency, emergency. You know, when a doctor is handling emergency case, they, they don't joke around. So this is an emergency case. The lady will soon die. Let's go and heal her. Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And the, a woman came. Said, um, sir, I'm the one. She was afraid. Jesus said, You don't want to touch me? He said, Your faith has made you whole. Jesus spoke with her. Maybe, maybe even prayed for her. He said, Shalom, peace to you. And then, when he was done with her, Jesus now turned and said, Let's continue going. 
Then as he was going, they said, your daughter has died. Now if you're the one, what do you think now? You see, this man, if he had only came earlier, why would he stop for this woman and now frustrate the whole thing now? Why will he frustrate the whole thing now? He will complain and complain and complain and complain. <laughs> and <laughs> Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. <laughs> they said, this man. Now, sickness and death, which one is worse? Death, eh? Now, worst case now, because he didn't hurry. And then Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. Look at the way he talked. Look at how he said, he said, she's sleeping. Then he said, look at Mankra Akeleba. I see, I pray that one day we'll be able to talk like this too. Like the way Jesus talked. He said, let's go to the house and wake her up. He didn't say, let's go and raise her from the dead. He said, let's go and wake her up. Because she's sleeping. And Jesus walked in there. People were crying. And they were crying and crying and crying and crying. And Jesus said, send them out of this place. This she's sleeping. Why are they crying? And then he called the man in. He sent everybody out, all the people that they have faith, throw them out of the house. And then he said, in, in, in Hebrew, in Aramaic, he said, daughter, wake up. That's all he said. And the lady sneezed. I came back alive. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Jesus is never in a hurry. Don't think, that, you know, some of you are saying, God, can't you see this matter? This thing will still get out of hand. No, no, no. Not when it's in the hand of God. It cannot get out of hand. He is the one that has times and seasons in his hands. Shout amen, somebody. There is no hopeless case when it comes to God. Shout amen. When they told Jesus that Lazarus is sick, what did he do? He delayed two more days. Sometimes you think that you're delaying, God is delaying, is affecting your life. No, no, no. Sometimes when delays come into your life, the more the delay, the greater the testimony. Hallelujah. Guess what? When the delay came, what did, what did, when Jesus came two days after, Matthew said, Master, if you had come earlier, he said, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus said, don't worry. I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I know, but that will be on resurrection day. She didn't understand what he was saying. He said, where is he? He said, open the grave. And Jesus said, Father, I thank you because you always hear me. And then he said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, with all his bandages, with everything in his body, came out of that place. You know something? If Jesus didn't call his name, all the dead guys would come out of that place. That's why he had to mention his name. Specific person. Because if you just say, all the dead, come out. You just see dead men walking everywhere on the streets. That's how powerful he was. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And the Bible says something. He says, as he is. So are we in this world. Not when we get to heaven. As he is. Not as he was. As he is glorified. So are we in this world. That means whatever Jesus could do, we can do the same as well. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. We can change hopeless situations around. Because God has given us that power. He has given us that ability in Christ. Can you shout hallelujah? Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 17. Bible says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Tell your neighbor, confess God's word. So do you need healing in your life? Isaiah 3 verse 5. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. That's what you're going to say. Don't say, this because will kill me. It will destroy me. No, no, no. You talk God's word. Isaiah 3 verse 5. I don't know whether you guys on the screen are following what I'm teaching here. Huh? It says, he says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his beating, by his stripes, by the way they slapped him and beat him, we were healed. You know, Peter said, by his stripes, we were healed. Glory to God. So our healing is sure. In fact, Jesus said, healing is the children. In fact, that woman said, healing is the children's bread. Jesus said, and the woman said, yes, we know. But even though dogs eat the crumbs, Jesus said, what kind of face is this woman? He says, so shall it be unto you. And the woman went away healed. Letting you know that healing is normal. Everybody say, healing is normal. It's the children's bread. So, don't, listen, it doesn't matter what sickness ever came into your body or wrong would ever come. You will come out of that sickness alive in the name of Jesus. Why? Say divine health works in my members. Say from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, I walk in divine health. You know, some of you, the way you are saying this thing now is because you are still fine. When, you know, you know listen, when, when, when we're training you how to talk, we're training you for the days to come. 
I'm telling you. Because you'll face situation around you. Maybe somebody will get sick around you. Maybe yourself will get sick around you. How will you handle those days when it comes? Lift your hands now. Say, in every finger of my body, the life of God is in me. Is in my head. Is in my ligaments. Is in my tissues. In my arteries. In my heart. In my blood. The life of God is in me. From the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, I walk in divine health. 24-7. I refuse to be sick. I refuse to be sick. No infection in my body. No disease in my body. In the name of Jesus. Shout amen somebody. See, these are the, these are the window battles of, of your mind. Because say that will bring infections to you, sickness to you. This is how you paralyze it. Paralyze it. Shout amen somebody. You know, I, I told you a story. When, when they admitted me in the hospital, I think it was last year, right? Or this year? No, last year. Last year, right? The doctors told me that Sir, with the thing that's going on in your body now, you will not be able to for the next six months. And then, um, because, and what he's saying is true. Because, I don't know, this is how I will talk. Hey, hello, how are you? I can't even talk. If I start talking the way I'm talking like this now, I start like this, ha, 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 ha. So I can't even talk. So imagine, Satan wants to come against our bodies. You know what we did? We prayed and we spoke words. In two weeks, it says six months. Two weeks, we're out of the hospital. And I preached that the, the next week in this church. Hallelujah. Shouting. Even me, I was shocked because two weeks ago, I can't write. But how could we win those days? Because of the training of today. I remember years ago when I was young. Every day I would say, I walk in divine health. Every day, in the name of... The moment I feel a symptom, I start speaking God's word. So you may take medication... But your trust is not in medication, it's in the power of God. Are you hearing me? So God doesn't want you to put faith in medication, but you can take medication because that's wisdom. Are you following what I'm saying? But you see, as much as you do that, also let you speak because there are some things that medication will not solve. Yeah. Only God's word, only God's power will crush it to the ground. And that's how you've got to learn to use your mouth. Use your mouth. Shout amen, somebody. You know, there on a university every day, I'll say, the whole world belongs to me. Some of my friends say, this guy, you just like talking big, like talking, talking manner of things. I say, that's your problem. Today, the difference is clear. See, Bible says that God will make a difference between the Egyptians and you. That means the people of the world and you, there will be a clear difference. They may have gone ahead of you, but there was this called 10 years in one. That what it took them 10 years to achieve, God can make it, God can crash the time for you in one year. But that happens when you have stayed with the world. You have stayed mingled with the word. Glory to God, somebody. Sit down. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Yeah. The next time you find yourself, you just imagine you open your bank account and you find that your account balance is 500 naira. That is me. You open Money Point, GT Bank, Access Bank, some of you have five accounts. 200 naira, 1,000 naira. This one is even negative. You are owing the bank money. What are you going to do? Huh? Speak to the bank account. That's nice. That's nice. You see, but you've got to have the right thoughts. You see that? So for instance, maybe the reason why you are broke is because you don't have anything doing. That's a possibility too, right? Because you're not having income. Where do you want the money to come from? From heaven and just land in your account. Miracle money. God can do that, you see, but um, God does not want to sustain you on miracles. Let me tell you something. Remember, the greatest miracle in the Bible was in the feeding of the, the manna, right? How many years did they feed with manna? 40 years. That's the longest miracle ever in Scripture. Do you know, people, I mean, Jesus fed 5,000, but not 40 years. Just maybe one time, two times. Manna was coming from heaven every day for 40 years. So imagine a child was born when he was one year old. In the time of manna, for 40 years of his life, he doesn't know anything like burning gas, burning firewood, cooking food, sowing in the ground and reaping. Doesn't know nothing. All he knows is, are you hungry? Go outside. Where's the food? For your land. <laughs> and they chop. <laughs> and then the manna was so interesting. You cannot keep manna till the second day. If you keep the second day, it will, it will spoil. Then interestingly, the manna that comes on Saturday can stay till Sunday. It will say two days. But anyone within a week will spoil. So every day, no work. Just come out, eat, eat, eat. 
One day they say, we want meat. God said, no, wala. Meat. Everywhere go. So, guess what? When they entered into the promised land, the Bible says that the manna ceased. Why? Because God was taking them from miracles to what is called blessing. Everybody say blessing. Yes. So now, when they go into the blessing, the blessing principle is you sow in the ground, you reap, you harvest, you process, you cook, and then you eat. That is the blessing. You don't have to wait anymore for food to come from heaven. Now you know the principle of sowing, reaping, harvesting, processing, cooking, and eating. Glory to God. There are days where God will give you miracles in your life. But God doesn't want you to stay on miracles and live on miracles. He wants you to enjoy the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. Which one is better? That you have, you have the financial blessing or financial miracle. Every time, miracle to miracle, 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 miracle. When will you enjoy blessing? Where you are not even thinking about it, the thing is just there all the time. That's the level God wants to take you to in your life. Shout amen, somebody. Which is better, divine healing or divine health? Divine healing is miracle. Divine health is the blessing. Shout amen, somebody. So God wants to walk in the blessing. So there are times where God will give you miracles to help your faith, to, to, to let you to, 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 to trust him. But God wants you to grow from that level. Where you start walking in divine health, where there's no sickness in your life, where there's no poverty in your life, where there's no lack in your life. Are you seeing that? Where there's the blessing of God is walking to your advantage. Everywhere you turn to, everywhere you sow, you reap a hundredfold. Shout amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! Glory to God. So it's Christ's obedience that we need to focus on in our lives, not our own or our lack of it thereof. Shout amen, somebody. So, point to Jesus in your life. You see, of course, our adversary, the Satan, will come against us. He loves to plant thoughts in our mind. He loves to plant evil thoughts in our mind. But our job is not to accept them. Listen, let me tell you one of the things that offends Satan the most. One of the things that annoys him the most. Should I tell you? If you want to annoy Satan, eh? one of the things you can do to annoy him, he will get mad. You know, Satan likes drama. He likes drama. So, have you ever seen when they're casting out the devil? You know, well, we don't do things those days. We'll be jumping. The guy will be jumping there. Hey, we're catching him. Satan likes those kind of drama. So if you want to annoy him, eh, ignore him. Have you ever seen when somebody ignores somebody? Do you know how you feel when somebody ignores you? You are talking to the person. The person is not answering you. Just thinks as though you don't even exist. That's the worst thing you can ever do to Satan. He'll be so mad and he will leave. Hallelujah. So instead of plants thoughts in your mind, ignore him. Don't respond. Don't talk. You're going to talk, speak God's word. Ignore Satan. Don't give him any, um, you know, people like talking about Satan, talking about the devil when they talk about God. Don't talk about him. Don't even mention his name. Ignore him as though he doesn't exist. Talk about Jesus. Talk about God. Talk about the angels of God. Ignore him in your life. He'll be angry because he likes attention. He likes attention. Hallelujah. So point yourself to Jesus and his obedience in your life. His obedience to the cross. Remind that old liar that you are completely cleansed. You are completely righteous. Righteous by the blood of Jesus. And Jesus seated at the right hand of God. Then you move on in your life. You don't need to claim any thoughts. Move on in your life. Because it's not yours. You are in Christ. Say I'm in Christ. Say it again. Say I'm in Christ. Say I'm completely cleansed. Righteous by the blood of Jesus, shout amen, somebody. So all his lies, all his tricks, all his misdirection has no real power. Glory to God. Because we are seated with Christ. Shout amen, somebody. You are more powerful than Satan. You are more powerful than demons. You are more powerful than all those, all those elements. That's the power of God in your life. Listen, you have the greatest power in the universe. The power of God is at work in your life. Shout amen, somebody. This is how to beat the devil in his mind games. If you learn this, Satan knows he has lost this one. You know, the Bible says that Satan goes about like a roaring lion looking for who to what? To devour. So this is what he does. He comes to Reuben. He do, wah, whoa. I'm not doing it very well. But you know why he do all He wants to see whether he will be afraid or move. Have you ever seen a dog? Huh? If a dog comes to you and the dog is backing, wah, wah, and you start running, what happens? He runs after you. You know, that's why it's my prey. But if a dog is backing, and you look at it, 
And you will not move. You keep back. What? What? What you want to do like this? The dog will tear it. That's how Satan works. I'll show you something now. So don't be afraid of him. When he comes in your house, you just hear bars on your roof. Say, hey, they have come. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Or you hear that your neighbor, two people just died. Just like that. Just say, Satan, if you come into my house, <laughs> you are in soup. And then don't just talk like that and just go and sleep. You charge the place. You speak in tongues. Charge the atmosphere. Caraba, caraba. Until you know that you have done your job, then go and sleep. He said, I just smell the smoke in your house. Just like this one, avoid, avoid, avoid. Let's, have you ever seen they say, beware of dogs? Hmm? When Satan comes into my gate, beware. Because if you pass this roof, you drop. So just move. Satan will avoid you. I'm telling you, Satan doesn't attack everybody. He doesn't. But he moves like a roaring lion looking for whom to devour. That means there are some people that are undevourable. That's what it means. And I'm showing you how. It's mind games. Shout amen, somebody. Yeah. Jump on your feet this morning.